Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. This is Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. We can't give them this much power in the cartoon world. A podcast, and I was told that if I did your podcast that I would, you know, advance to the next level. And we're podcasting and photographizing in front of the great... The worst gigs of their life are, are because of Mark Poulos. <laughs> Anyone want a husband? Free, free to a home. Now it doesn't even have to be a good home, just free to a home. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant would like to do his impression... Of Bully Nelson. Suck yourself dry! Alright. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. Uh, Mark Poulos here with you again. It's it's good to be back. Um, today on the program, I, uh, I turned 40. So, thought I'd talk about that. Pretty big milestone, um, you know. When I when I look back on my thirties, uh, I don't know if there is possible uh, that there's a more turbulent ten years in any person's life. Um, such extreme highs and extreme lows in that ten year period. Um, you know, I, I look forward to my 40s, and truthfully, I hope that uh, they're a lot less ridiculous, but, um, you know, I don't know if that's even possible nowadays, you know, with the way that the the world is going, and, and as you get older, you know, uh, friends pass, and, and health issues start to come along, and and you start losing a lot of the older relatives. So chances of things getting calmer are probably uh, slim to none, you know. So when I look back when I turned 30 in 2006, um, you know, things had already started kind of spiraling away from me. Um, uh, I I think the last year that my life was just kind of um like I was just I was carefree and didn't really have any responsibility I think was early 2005 um I was you know trying to be a stand-up comedian my parents thankfully were allowing me to live in their house and pay them rent while I went out on the road and tried to become a comedian you know it's it's rare to find those kind of parents uh, anymore. You know, I had just graduated uh, uh, a handful of years from the University of Minnesota with a Bachelor of Arts degree, and I know they probably would have liked to have seen me go into something more secure as a uh, as a job. They were the type of parents that just supported us with no matter what we decided to do, you know. They never really hassled me about it. They saw that I was happy, and, and they just kind of let me do my own thing, which um, I'll always be grateful to them for that. Um, 
so it was early early 2005 when uh when things started to to get kind of crazy because we my sister got pregnant and she was living with my brother at the time so obviously um uh, her pregnancy was a surprise and the guy was kind of a douche so um she was going to move back in with my parents and so um, my brother asked me if I wanted to move in with him and, uh, you know, and live in his apartment with him and, and pay half the rent and stuff. And, and I took a beat for a bit because I'm just like, I mean, I was making almost no money. I think 2005, uh, if I go back and I look at my taxes, um, I think I cleared, you know, uh, I actually... <clears throat> Hang on a sec. I actually have those numbers. Because <laughs> I'm kind of anal. I don't know why, but uh, ever since I started in stand-up comedy, I, uh, I keep a record of how much money I've made as a stand-up comic every year just to kind of see how how everything stacks up against each other so let's see 2005 would have been year five so that's not that bad I mean it's definitely the poverty level I made uh, twenty-two thousand four hundred and five dollars in year five of stand-up comedy and you have to take into account that that's not that's not the grow like that's the gross and then of course when you do stand-up comedy you have to pay for uh your own gas and food and travel and and living expenses and everything so um it was a tough decision because i'm just like i don't know if i i didn't want to move in with my brother and then like two or three months down the road not have any gigs and and suddenly you know i can't pay the rent he's on the hook for it and and shit starts getting crazy um so moved in with him you know and we uh we started living together and it was good it was fine um i was actually able to to make the payments and everything and so going into 2006 um so we had this new baby in the family and the guy really wasn't around so the family kind of uh rallied around her and helped uh you know take care of some of the burden my parents did most of the work you know uh, as grandparents do you know helping out and taking care of the baby and stuff and and so there was a time there from like late 2005 to mid 2007 where you know it was crazy because the new baby was there but um it it was still kind of calm you know it's like there wasn't a lot of undue burden put on me or my brother's shoulders you know we just kind of lived our lives and and checked in with the family when we could i spent a lot of time on the road um and I think it was 
I think it was the fall the fall of 2007 where stuff started to kind of really unravel you know as far as some of the lows the real lows um because so we had we had a big high in in september of 2007 because me and my brother took my dad to vegas for a trip and it was like so much fun we all kind of you know at that time i think my dad was I think we did it for his 80th birthday, if I remember correctly. So, you know, he's in his 80s. You know, his health was kind of declining. We kind of, you know, nobody really said it out loud, but we kind of figured that it was the the last time he was going to get to go to Vegas and, and really enjoy it. So we tried to make it as fun as possible, and, and it was it was a blast. Unfortunately, my older brother wasn't able to enjoy it as much as I did because he was just so anxiety ridden over my dad and and whether he was going to have some kind of attack or accident because he didn't really walk the best he, uh, long distances like he walked fine but like after a while he'd get kind of tired he had a cane at the time and we'd gotten him like a hotel wheelchair to kind of move him around so he didn't have to exert too much energy um but that trip was fun man so many funny times um i remember it was like two in the morning and we were having uh they have a 24-hour cafe at the the golden nugget where we were at most of the casinos have 24-hour restaurants and we're just sitting there eating breakfast and my dad had gotten an english muffin or a bagel and he had put a bunch of jelly on it and he took a bite of the bagel and he put it down (laughs) and he had a big glob of jelly on his thumb and he didn't notice it and me and my brother were both kind of laughing that he had jelly on his thumb and then he was like why are you guys laughing and we're like you have jelly on your thumb so he sucked the jelly (laughs) off of his thumb picked up the bagel took another bite and immediately got more jelly on his thumb and we were just like completely gone (laughs) but um yeah it was really fun time but uh unfortunately i think that trip uh, was kind of a bit of my dad's undoing because a few months after we got back from that trip um he had an attack where like my mom went to work and she came home and she found him at the top of the stairs and that was kind of like the beginning of his decline um over the next four years um his health would would decline like immensely and he kept having these attacks every year it was some kind of uh, virus that they couldn't really pinpoint but it would come and they would hit it with antibiotics and then it would go away but it would take a little bit away from him and then uh, he'd have to go into like a care center for a while and rehab and then come home and and that four-year period was you know extremely extremely tough on our family um i think it was um probably like around 2009 when we we decided that um my dad wanted to be home so we retrofitted the house with all this medical equipment like we had a hospital bed and the railings in the bathroom and we got the the aero stair lift to get him up and down the stairs and 
and we just kind of made the decision me and my brother that we were going to be his uh 24 hours seven day a week caregivers and it's a tough life man i don't uh i don't wish it on anybody you know it's it's hard it's a hard hard thing you know to be on 24 hours a day seven days a week caring for you know a a parent who who was you know such a strong man growing up you know and to to kind of see him decline it was it was really rough and and obviously took a shit ton more toll on my brother than it did on me um it it hit me hard but you know obviously it it hit him quite a bit more um but yeah in the midst of all that you know all that darkness and all that toughness you know i have like one of the most amazing highs of that 10 years was in 2008 i met my wife at uh the columbus funny bone um and i'm sure i've told the story on the on the podcast before but it's it's such an odd story you know when you think about life and uh you know the paths that we walk and and the places that we go and the people that we meet and and people talk about meant to be destiny um so I, uh, up until, up until 2007, um, I had a pretty mediocre comedy career. I was kind of working for the bottom of the barrel bookers making <clears throat> like a hundred dollars a night doing really bad gigs, but I felt like my writing was getting better and I thought that I was kind of figuring it out and I, and I felt like I was one of the funnier comedians that were out there but it's just like you don't have that validation so you don't know so there's a booker in columbus who uh he's considered the guy nowadays and he books like 14 or 18 a room comedy clubs that pay like a ton of money and they treat you like royalty and everything and everybody in the world wants to get in with this guy um and they tell you don't go there and audition for him if you're not ready, you know, um, make sure you're ready. And I felt like I was ready. So I went there with no expectations. Everybody told me he's a tough nut to crack. Like even if he likes you, it'll be years before he actually booked you into any of his comedy clubs. So I went there, I had a really good set and I, I was like the exception to the rule that he started booking me right after my set. Like he told me, he really liked what I did and and uh he wanted me in the rotation immediately and and it was just an odd such an odd day because nothing like that had ever happened to me in the seven years that I was a comedian I'd never had someone who was uh, a person of authority and comedy tell me that I was a really good comedian and so as much as I was excited, I was also kind of weirded out by it (laughs) because I was like, stuff like that doesn't happen to me. And looking back on it, it's one of those things where I'm just like, maybe that was 
supposed to happen because what happened was so he booked me into Columbus um, so I came back to Columbus um, uh, the first week of May 2008 so it was about five months after my audition and I did the week there I was working with Nick Griffin who's a comic from New York and we got to the uh, the Saturday show and uh, uh, in Columbus they do a three show Saturday they do 7, 9, and 11 I don't know if they still do but they did back then so we did the 7 o'clock show and it was okay you know but there were some drunk girls in the show and they were kind of annoying me and I always tell this story because it's kind of funny so then the 9 o'clock show comes along and my wife is there with some guy that she was on a date with and uh, they were on like a work trip together and they were just killing time before he had to fly back to uh, I think it was from Alabama or something so she was like let's go see this comedy show and um, I never say I'm from Minnesota when I do my comedy I, I do it now a little bit but back then I never said it because I just didn't have any jokes about Minnesota and it just seemed weird to be like, I'm from Minnesota. Like, but for whatever reason, that show, like I said something within the first five minutes, like I'm from Minnesota and somebody cheered in the audience. Like I thought it was her for a long time, but she said it was somebody else. But anyway, she heard that I was from Minnesota. So after the show, the guy that she was with came up to me and he bought one of the shirts I was selling and he said, um, you know, this chick I'm with, she's from Minnesota too. You should come have a drink with us. So I was like, okay. So I came in and, um, you know, she wasn't drunk, but you know, she was, she was buzzing pretty good. And, and after my experience with the early show, um, you know, she was talking to me and, and I thought she was stunningly beautiful. And that was like a part of me. I'm like, I have no chance with this girl at all. She's with this guy and she's, uh, you know, stunningly beautiful, and like, why would she care about me? You know, but we started talking about Minnesota and stuff, and and it's it was just a real easy conversation, and I I really liked her personality and stuff, but um, it was just kind of funny, like I couldn't look past um, that that she was, you know, had some drinks in her, and I, you know, anyways, I just look back and I laugh. I'm just like, you know this is your wife like what are you doing um so the next day we started chatting and and uh you know the rest history she when i got back to minnesota we went on a, on a few dates and and then basically have spent the last uh you know uh eight years together uh haven't really been apart from each other for more than three or four days but you know you look you look at that stuff and you're just like I've never had anybody tell me that I'm like a great comedian and immediately start booking me for something that everybody else wants. Like I've never been that guy. I've never been the guy that just accidentally works with Jay Leno and, and gets to do the tonight show or, um, I'm not the guy that does a guest spot somewhere. And it just so happens that Conan is in the back of the room and asked me to be on the show the next night. Like, 
And you may be listening to this podcast like, those are ridiculous. Like, those are three stories that actually happened to comics I know from, from Minneapolis. <laughs> and it drives me insane because let's get real about comedy okay there's a level that you reach in comedy where everybody is as funny as the next guy there's very rare occasions that a comedian becomes an innovator and moves to the next level and starts writing the script for comedy you know most comedians if they're good they get to a point where they're good they're very funny and they're as funny as the next guy and they're all really funny people um and the thing that moves them to the next level comes down to right place right time and luck and being prepared and it sucks sometimes when you're not in the right place at the right time but that occasion with with that booker in in columbus i was in the right place at the right time and and that's you know one of like three occasions in my life that uh, I can look back on and be like, you know, those that was an, um, a, you know, one of those peaks in my career that moved me on to the next level. So, so yeah, so 2008 met my my wife and it was amazing. Um, she rolled into my family um, perfectly. You know, she she's a nurse now, which is just like a perfect fit for her she's so loving and compassionate you know she was such an amazing uh person to just kind of start helping with my dad um being there with us as a family and, and kind of you know she had no um obligation to even help out at all with our family you know it's like i look back and think to myself like if the roles were reversed and it was her dad that was sick and she was caring for him you know 24 hours a day seven days a week would i have had the same compassion for her father as she did for mine and and i feel like i would but you know you never know you know so here we are in like you know, 2008, my dad is sick. Um, my sister's got this new baby. And, uh, you know, shit's just getting weird. You know, it keeps a lot of money going out to take care of my dad. Uh, you know, a lot of lonely nights, no sleep, all that kind of stuff. And that was kind of our life um, from 2008 to to February 2011 like it was it was a long three years I'm not gonna lie like it was emotionally and physically brutal and draining uh to go through what we went through and it was uh yeah towards the end of January uh 2011 my dad kind of went into the hospital for the last time and and he passed um, like a week the week before his birthday in 2011 and uh, you know it kind of sucked because uh, so that December uh, the Christmas of that December t uh, 2010 
Um, I asked my wife to marry me and she said yes. And, and it was such a joyous time, you know, it was another high in those 10 years and, and it was just such a great time. And then for him to pass like a month later, it was, it was tough. It was, it was brutally tough. And, um, and the months following that, I went like, you know, we all dealt with it in our own ways. And, and mine, of course, downward spiraled into more gambling and addictive behaviors. And, and I kind of kept it to myself and kind of rotted from the inside out. You know, my brother, on the other hand, he, he kind of wore it all on his sleeve and, uh, so 2011 was pretty brutal 2012 it didn't really get much better um we really didn't know how much my brother was suffering and how hard he was he was taking it like he felt like he somehow failed my dad and i i still don't understand that but so our our wedding was set for um columbus weekend in october i know everybody just laughed when i said that but that's what we did and we got married on columbus day weekend because we met in columbus because we're goofballs and uh so yeah we lost my brother in uh august of 2002 or uh, 2012 about uh six weeks before my wedding and uh yeah, that that kind of tore us all down. That was a tough one. Uh, I mean, the uh, the wedding was amazing, you know. It kind of brought us all back up. You know, it gave us something to look forward to and, and be excited about and kind of, you know, not, not feel that horrible pain for some time, you know, and then, you know, it was, it was such a short time between the wedding and us finding out that we were going to have Willow. Um, it's such a crazy thing. You know, my wife's got a condition where they told her that she was never going to have kids and to find out that she was pregnant was just like a mind blower. We were like, what? And uh, the pregnancy was tough on my wife. A lot of illnesses, a lot of, uh, like, being uh, bedridden for a while. Um, She wasn't actually bedridden, but, you know, she'd have to spend a lot of time in bed because of the sicknesses that she would get. And then my daughter being born premature um, and having to spend, like, a month and a half in the hospital um, just constant constant like insanity you know and then like right around that time we found out that um that my mom was going to lose her house that they were going to foreclose on her um so she had to go and move in with my brother and sister down in Shakopee and the government just took the house which was fine she actually got to live there for for a while um anyways 
a lot of shitty stuff, man. And uh, so we had our second daughter, Frankie, who's doing great. Um, Willow's been having, you know, a lot of delays. Um, so we've been spending a lot of time with therapists and stuff like that. And and it's tough, but she's happy. You know, she's a happy kid and and just an amazing blessing. I both of them are, you know. And then my do- um my sister, um, she found love, which, you know, I'm so over the moon for her. She got married, had another kid. So I got two nephews now. Um grandma's got, you know, four grandkids now that she's gets to play with and spoil and uh, and then you're like you know just just when you think (laughs) you know that everything's fine and you can take a deep breath you know i'm 39 my uh my sister's married she's got kids Uh, she's got a good job he's got a good job everything's calm um willow's thriving and learning and and Frankie's healthy and everybody's everybody's great. Uh like two months short of my fortieth birthday, my mom breaks her ankle in three spots. And they tell her that she can't put any weight on her ankle for like six to eight weeks. Um, so she had to move into our house. So for the last like six weeks she's been basically living in our recliner in the living room. Uh, I mean, it just, it never ends, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. but we just had a doctor's appointment last week and they told her that her ankle is healing really well and she's going to be able to put 50% pressure on it. Um, so I'm sure she'll get back to normal, uh, pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, career wise for me, I had a bunch of, you know, a few big peaks, in that 10-year period, you know, I had the Columbus thing, and then um, I won the the Comcast trial by laughter, which got me a record deal, and I got to go to a, a festival, which was awesome, and then um, I got signed by a manager, and uh, I, I got two national TV spots. I got to do Laughs on Fox, and then I got to do Gotham Comedy Live. Um just and now i'm touring with this uh michael carbonaro guy and and that's been great and you know i just i don't know if things will ever be ever be as calm as they were you know back in 2004 before the shit hit the fan but it's kind of hard to ever go back to that you know 2004 i was i was single no responsibilities I didn't even have a job technically. I was just a comedian. And uh and I just don't think it'll ever be that way, you know. You 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 get married, you get responsibilities, your parents and start to get older, you got to take care of everybody and and uh I think the key is just to find the small moments to kind of exhale, you know. Um, it's nice that I, I'm able to still go on the road like once or twice a month and I'll be gone for like a few days and it kind of gives me a chance to recenter, you know, 
I try to give my wife as much time as she needs to go uh, out of town with her friends and decompress. Um, we're like so excited that uh, next week I'm going to be performing in Alaska, in Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, we were able to find some amazing family and friends that are going to watch our daughters so my wife can come with me and we can kind of have that alone time to reconnect and everything. So that's going to be amazing. Um, I don't know if this podcast reached Anchorage, Alaska, but uh, I'm coming your way next week. <laughs> I'm doing three shows at the Coots in Anchorage. So get up there. But as I start the 40s, you know, I I think everything is... Everything's in place to, for it to be great. And, you know, I, there's always going to be shit. You know, you can't, you can't escape the shit. It always comes. You know, they always say that, that you know, you, you always get blindsided on an idle Tuesday is when the shit hits the fan, and that's the truth, you know. I try to stay vigilant and just kind of know that shit's going to come, so just be ready for it. You know, um, you know, we have a roof over our head and, and food in the closet and, and a loving family and healthy kids. And, and that's just kind of all you can hope for at 40, you know, I don't know if I necessarily have my health, but, uh, it's not too bad. <laughs> I could use a few pounds and, and, uh, yeah, eat better probably. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you can always get this podcast at Podbean and iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, check out largedrunkman.com for my up to any uh, tour dates. So this week I'm doing Anchorage, Alaska. Next week uh, I'll be at the Joke Joint uh, doing four shows. Uh, I believe it's the uh, it's either the 16th and the 17th or the 17th and the 18th. I can't remember. That's probably not even close to what it is but it, it's that week in the teens so come on to the joke joint if you're in the twin cities i'm going to be doing a bunch of new stuff and uh just loving life as a stand-up comic still 16 years strong in september and uh why would i stop this is uh an amazing an amazing job and i feel blessed to be able to do it and uh I'm glad you guys enjoy this podcast and, and keep tuning in and tune in next time when we talk about who knows. <laughs>